the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 44 and our guest is Melody Walker. Melody is the principal songwriter and lead singer for the band Front Country. Uh, Melody writes powerful songs and then sings them with a powerful voice, one that as you'll see in the in the course of this conversation is connected to uh, an incredible mind. We caught up with Melody at Swanee Roots Revival 2019 at Spirit of the Swanee Music Park in Live Oak, Florida, our happy place. This is uh, the first of three um, really wonderful episodes, wonderful conversations that we recorded this year at Swanee. I can't wait for y'all to hear the, the next two as well. We returned with Verlin Thompson and Seth Walker. And uh, I'm just so excited, not only for those conversations, but then to, to go back to Swanee in the spring and bring y'all some more really wonderful talks. You can get a copy of Front Country's most recent record, Other Love Songs, at frontcountryband.com. Uh, we cover a lot in this episode. This is one of the longer ones uh, because Melody was just so delightful and had so much to say. Um, and it's just so smart that I, I didn't want to cut anything really um i even left in like a couple of kind of silly moments that i may have normally cut out but uh she's just so great and um and i think that um this episode flows really really well despite its length if if front country's coming to your town y'all don't miss their live show um just so dynamic as i talk about during this episode everyone without further ado uh, it is my distinct honor to present my conversation with melody walker Ah, yeah, yeah, it's a little bit sensitive. 
Melody, thank you so much. This yeah. is a, an honor. Ever since the um, when I interviewed John Stickley here, like uh, two years ago, and you happened to be, we took over your dressing room, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, actually, whose dressing room. I was probably, I do this thing when I'm at festivals. I just, like, find a place where I can, uh, like, get ready. Like, maybe yeah. uh, curl my hair if it's messy or uh, yeah, do some yeah. makeup. I think that's exactly changed. what you were doing. I think you were curling your hair in the corner while we were talking. Yeah. But it might have been John's dressing room. I, don't I actually so. don't know. Or we were, like, switching places on the dressing room. Yeah. Uh, actually did it. I did it yesterday, and uh, yeah, I I was trying to trying to curl my hair, and um, this lady told me that this one trailer was like a common trailer, it was all good. Oh, uh, cool! But it did say Del McCurry on the outside. <laughs> uh, but I took her word for it. I went in there, and I tried to get curling my hair, but the socket wasn't working, which yeah. totally lucked out for me because because I like you know got my curly hair and like got my stuff, and I was going off to get like somewhere else and. Who walks in? <laughs> Del McCurry. There was nothing in the trailer. Like, nobody's stuff or anything. There was no, like, rider. There was no snacks or anything like that. So I was like, okay, this seems like maybe this was Del's trailer last night or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. They just didn't take this out. No, it was definitely Del's trailer. Del's just minimalist like, on his rider, I guess? He, he sort of knows me. He knows I'm in the scene. I okay, think he, all right. He probably does not know my name, yeah, but yeah. nor should he. Um, right, right. But... I just said, oh, hi, Del. I'm yeah. just leaving now. Yeah, I feel like Del McCurry doesn't owe anybody anything at this point, right? Like, he's yeah, he's no, given us... he doesn't. <laughs> and he doesn't deserve, like, some freaking, you know, chick in his <laughs> trailer trying to do her hair. So I'm glad I wasn't, like, fully getting into doing my hair and makeup. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was uh, a near miss. Well, I'm glad that you dodged that bullet. And ever since that moment, though, that... Uh, you ended up in the conversation, and I can't. I meant to go back and listen to it because I can't remember what we were talking about. You ended up jumping I never in the conversation. To the episode either. Oh, really? I really need to. Yeah, it's it's a good one. I mean, John's awesome, you know. But I think I was just heckling, probably. I can't remember. I think I think it it got ended up being like him saying something, self-deprecating or something, mm -hmm. and then you jumping in and being like, "No, you idiot! You know, you're amazing." Or I don't remember, but it, it doesn't matter because oh, you ended yeah. up playing right after that. In that moment, I was like, "All right." Next time she's in the same place that I am, I got to get her on the show. Because that, your live performance is just overwhelming. Aw, thanks, is dude. The energy, the, the, the thing that, like, blows me away, and it comes through on record, too, um, but, the live, but the live performance, there's a little bit extra. It feels like to me, maybe because I'm there and I'm in the moment. No, I agree. It's like you it's know? so hard to capture that on a record. So we, hard. Yeah, the live thing. That's what we live for. It, so. It's amazing, and and it's just like there's the that that um, that authenticity that songwriters are so often you know tasked with creating, right? Like honesty, the truth. It comes through so strongly in your writing and in your singing. And so I was like that moment. At Swanee, that's been two years now, I guess. But I was like, next time we're in the same place, we got to make this happen. Thanks, dude. It's a blessing and a curse because mm. uh, I don't know if you know this, but being truthful all the time mm. it doesn't make you a popular person. Uh huh. Um, I'm learning how to be more diplomatic. Yeah. In my life, if I had to guess, like what my like life, you know, what my like karma or whatever is, you know, like what like the thing that I'm here to figure out this time yeah i don't even know if i believe in reincarnation whatever let's right, just go right. with it we could go down um, that road if you want we can totally go there um <laughs> you know if if that's real then what i'm trying to learn this time i think is like you know diplomacy 
slowing down impulsive uh-huh. impulsivity <laughs> you know Wha- like finding compassion uh even in a world where things are shitty yeah am i allowed to curse on this podcast? you can fucking curse okay. all you goddamn want um yeah we can you can say anything the, the only my only rule is uh that it can't be um like racist or sexist and i'm not worried about that with you <laughs> this is a good rule wait <laughs> As long we don't believe in reverse sexism, right? I can still say men are trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's just an objective fact. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go there. I'm just gonna say that because um, it's a feminist issue that um, if you say that on Facebook, you'll get like banned. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, because like Facebook is like reverse sexism and racism is, is real, and you're yeah. like, no, it's not. That's not the same thing right. at all. It's a completely different context. Like, right. Because, like, all of the powers in the world, exactly. the whole government, the whole structure, the whole system is not also supporting when I say men are trash. Yeah. Like, people, that system doesn't doesn't support that. Right. That's, like, a, a revolutionary thing for me to say. That's against, like, the grain right. of, like, the way that oppression generally flows, at least in our society. Yeah. And um, maybe if we were living on a Amazonian, you know... Isle of Lesbos situation, like a like a Wonder Woman situation. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. Maybe men really would be <laughs> oppressed, and then it would be really crappy for me to say that. Yeah. But um, that's not the world that we live in, and um, I hope that men out there know that I don't actually believe all men are trash. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> saying that because people say that I'm not allowed to say that, and know. if anyone can, uh, I think, resonate with and appreciate um, free speech yeah. and my ability to say that. Yeah. Um, it would be the people who get offended when you say men are trash right, because they right. love free speech. They're like, <laughs> my free speech. <laughs> and you're like, okay, my free speech, men are trash. And then they get pissed off. Yeah, yeah. And then they can't handle it. Um, so, um, yeah, I would love a world in which um, all speech is totally free and equal. Yeah. That would be wonderful. So we're all working toward the same goal here. Right. So how does that – you were talking just a second ago about the idea of, like, being more diplomatic – um, working on being diplomatic. Oh, I fucked that up, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> and then Whoops. you immediately were not diplomatic. No, but that, but you're working on it. That's okay, I'm right? Working on it. Um, and and the fact and, and what you said. I mean, everything you said is, I think, just true. So I, I'm not, you know, I don't think the the fact that you're being diplomatic doesn't mean that you're going to stop telling the truth, right? Like diplomacy doesn't mean um, bullshitting, right? It, it means. It yeah, means ideally. trying to find common ground and it's, and it is mm-hmm. hard in a polarized world. Right. Mm-hmm. And it is especially hard right now when it's so thrust in our face by, I mean, the, the president of the United States, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's constant. And I think that that makes it more difficult to recognize how much common ground is being found in the world because the images that we're seeing constantly, you mentioned social media, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that we're constantly seeing and it's shoved in our faces again and again and again is one of not, not, is not a diplomatic. It's a more adversarial kind yeah. of world. So what do you do to work on that? What does that look like? It's so hard, right? Because you want to just react. Yeah. And you want to just be like, you know, like fuck Trump. And yeah. 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 Like you you want to like respond in kind with the same kind of thing. But I think, I think we all kind of know like that, that the antidote to hate is not more hate. It's love. Right, I'm yeah. not being a centrist here, obviously. Like yeah, I think yeah. you figured that out already. Yeah, yeah. But, but there, that has to be true on some level that yeah. like, you know, that 
so many centrists like to like throw in your face the MLK quote of like, you know, like that darkness can't drive out darkness. Yeah, Only light yeah. can do that. Sure. Um, and I think that does have to be true on some yeah. level. Um, yeah. But I think the way that the way that I think about that is actually just about like being effective in tactics. Mm -hmm. Like, is it effective for me to respond, you know, with hatred to hatred? Right. Is that actually effective? Like, sometimes I think it can be effective to be like bombastic in your language and right. to ha be passionate. Uh -huh. um, but I think at least on a human to human level, which is so hard to navigate in the social media world mm -hmm. uh, because like it's like human on a computer to human on a computer which yeah. adds this layer of just like inhumanity where mm -hmm. we're not our best selves and we're not yep. treating each other the best way um, I think that on a human to human level you have to have that compassion and you have to have that that rapport and those kind of interactions I think are best done kind of in private, you know? Yeah. And I've tried to do more work of like getting into DMS with people mm. when there is a rapport. It does not work to do that. If right. you don't know somebody well, oh, interesting. if they have no respect for you, but if it is somebody that you know well and you see them fuck up yeah. online and say something stupid, say something that is like that, you know, isn't even in their heart, yeah. you know, that's like, you know them and you know that they're better than that. Right. Like, I think that it's better to sort of call them in, as they say, you know, instead of call out culture, everybody decries call out culture, like mm. calling in is where you're like, hey, what's up? Like, we're friends, like, like, I understand where you're coming from there, but I don't think that that's like how you really feel, right? Because like, I know you and you're super cool mm. and I wouldn't be talking to you about this if I didn't think that you were a good person right. who was better than what you said. Right. Right. Like that. I think that that's like the key is like when I've been called out, I just know like I've been called out on shit. I've learned so much over the last few years, like mm. with this like accelerated pace of like social media, social justice. You uh -huh. know? Yeah. I've learned so much myself and, and some of it was through being called out uncomfortably. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Some of it was through being called out, called in by friends. Um, and, you know, even if I reacted badly at first to it, kind of with my ego, you know, sure. Um, I sort of got the message. Sometimes people told me that this was why, but like I also got the message eventually it sank in that they wouldn't be approaching me about this and telling me to do better if they didn't think that I could do better and that I was like worth more than that you know right. what I mean that they wouldn't be if they thought I wasn't reachable they wouldn't even reach out you know what I mean so like it, yeah. it means a lot like I had a friend call me out on using the term spirit animal uh, you know uh, to talk about like oh this like music this band is my spirit animal shit, I wouldn't or whatever even, that wouldn't I wouldn't have thought a thing I about know, it and it's a thing that like happens a lot and like festy culture a lot yes like, people are you know I was I was at Floyd Fest and they had their like logo and theme for the year. I think the past couple years was this dream catcher that said a tribe called Floyd Fest or Whoa, something. Yeah, I think that's uh -huh. what it said. Um, and like using the word tribe too is like I've come to find is like, you know, offensive to First Nations people, Native Americans. And yeah. um, because we don't respect the concept of like the tribe, like the actual tribe. Right. We don't learn about actual tribal culture. Right. We just want to be like, Oh, my hippie friend tribe. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, and that's not cool. Like that's not being respectful to that. And like, 
you know, there's plenty of hippies who have gone, gone deep with Native American culture. And I think, I think if you have done that and you've been in spaces with and been silent and learned from Native American people, right? maybe you can have a way into that, you know, but I don't think most people are using tribe or spirit animal, especially in these sort of like meme ways, you know, yeah, uh-huh. of like, oh yeah, my entrepreneurial business tribe of yeah. <laughs> like-minded, you know, yoga chicks. Like <laughs> this isn't, this is not what that is. And right, like right, using right. tribe is like, you're better than that. Like y'all yeah. are people who are supposedly compassionate. Yoga is about compassion and like yeah. awakening, like be more woke then, <laughs> you know, yeah. you could be more woke than that. So I had a friend just call me out, like just real chill, uh, like on Instagram DM, you know, and was yeah. like, hey, like, you know, that word spirit animal is like, you know, we don't use that anymore. It's considered disrespectful, you know, like there's certain Native American cultures that have the concept of spirit animals or spirit guides. And there's like, you know, this deep culture of that and like using it for something like your favorite band or your favorite makeup product (laughs) or whatever it is, you know, your favorite thing is like really cheapening it. And also just part of the colonial history of like, trivializing and just like taking from you know native peoples indigenous cultures just taking whatever you want and using it however you want right Right. that's like what that's what that is yeah so you know like if we can just not just like be that colonial taker of indigenous culture that would be like a really good start to just doing better you know and I think that like it's the hardest to talk about this sometimes with you know, white hippie folks yeah, who consider themselves to be like really kind, mm-hmm. good, you know, gentle people, you know, and, um, and are in, in most cases, in most cases. You yeah. Know? Sometimes that can be, whoa, whoa, I'm not, not a fan. Not a fan of Maybe bees. I'm like learning. Like a flower too. That okay. is okay. Right. We've learned. What else are you not? Uh, what else scares you? Oh yeah, <laughs> bees are nopes. Spiders are nopes. I got bit by some fire ants yesterday at this festival. That was great. Are you gonna keep the bee part in? Was Probably. That, like, production value. Okay. It dep- yeah, fine. It's, it depends on you how you feel about <laughs> it. A and B. How funny it is when I listen to it again. I want to hear like what that yelp was like <laughs> um, anyway um what were we talking about well oh, I, I taking was from native american yeah oh, hippie people yeah. being like gentle kind he's he's around but we're Is just he? gonna stay okay. still um, maybe he'll like me uh being like gentle kind people who like really mean well and it's like yeah. but if your construction of yourself aka the ego right is I am this gentle, kind soul. Positive vibes only, man. Like, white light, white light, white light. Like, if that's, like, covering up for some dark shit that you're not dealing with, like, Uh you are not going to react well if somebody asks you to, like, live up to those ideals in a way that is, like, out of your comfort zone, right? Yeah, Like, Uh And I've seen it, like, a million times, you know? And, like, there's this book, White Fragility, by Robin DiAngelo. I've heard about Um, that. It's amazing. Um, And she like says straight up kind of like in the intro, like white progressives are the worst Uh because they think that they're like post-racial and so woke already. Yeah. And I can so relate to that because I'm from the San Francisco Bay area. Yeah. And I grew up in this like land where it's like, 
oh yeah we've been cool and politically correct forever you right. know like we've we've like tackled racism and all this stuff it's so silly but like yeah. that is the like the the sort of baseline assumption with like a place where there's a bunch of liberals and i don't think that i don't think it's really true um and i think that there's a lot more sort of like nuanced low-grade implicit bias yeah that like a lot of progressives have just not done the work to unpack at all yeah and have built up this whole construction of themselves as being good people politically active you know like right progressive people and and if you like challenge that in any way or ask them to do some work on it sometimes it can be like really reactive right and um i've been trying to like actually do my work um and i don't think it's a a coincidence that it coincided with me moving from california to nashville mm. tennessee moving to the south something i thought i would never ever yeah do. yeah i'm from california i'm from the bay area's bubble yeah you know i lived in like way northern california in humboldt county for a while and it's just like bubbles of like progressiveness you know right um and i did though because nashville's cheaper so i moved there and sort of found that the whole conversation about like racism and stuff was a lot more real Mm -hmm. to people like was more like just in in people's face just in a different way yeah in the south you know like i am in no way by the way saying that like racism does not exist in the bay area because clearly it does right you know and there's tons of implicit bias and there's a lot of people not working on their shit but in the South, people have been working on their shit in a different way yeah. for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And, like, white allies, I think, are very different in the South and in mm-hmm. Nashville. Um, and the progressives that I met going to, like, protests during this whole, like, Trump thing. We moved literally the year that Trump got elected. Yeah. Which was, like, immediate regret. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but I was like, oh, wow, we live, like, yeah. in a blue dot in a red sea. Yeah. Like, that red sea feels a little more charged and scary now. Yep. And, um, and... So I, I started going to some protests, though, and meeting people. And these, like, southern progressive activists just have so much heart. Yeah. And they've been just, like, banging their heads against this wall forever. Like, yeah. they they really actually have something to fight for instead of, like, the Bay Area where it's just, like, always preaching to the choir. Right. You know? It's a different vibe. And I wanted I, to I ask really you like about it. that. Yeah, because I, cause I was... That's I'm so glad you went into all of that because I think sometimes... I live in Orlando, and Orlando is a blue dot in a red sea yeah. as well. Like, it's a... It's a very progressive place, really. I mean, especially compared to its surroundings, right? So, um, and my friends are all pretty like-minded, you know? And so the conversation, I almost, I'm guilty of avoiding conversations because because to me there's like a sticking point. I think we can have reasonable discussions about foreign policy and to disagree. I think we can have reasonable discussions about economics and healthcare and disagree and come to different um, solutions about what policy is best. I don't think there's any wiggle room for um, racism. I don't think there's any wiggle room for, um, you know, being uh, anti. I don't like the word homophobia because it's. I, I think it's misleading. But like a- being against gay people in some way, yeah. not supporting the rights of people to be people, right, and be who they are. I don't think there's wiggle room there. That's like where the rubber meets the road. I don't have honestly. any. I don't have any wiggle room. But the problem is, if I go home to my hometown, which is an hour and a half north of Orlando, 
those are the conversations that people are still having. They're still, they will look you in the face and tell you that they think black people are inferior. They will look you in the face and tell you that they think that um, only a man and a woman should be able to get married. And there's where I just don't, like the diplomacy breaks down, right? So like, I was wondering about that as you were talking about it, because I'm wondering, coming from San Francisco and then being a musician, most of the people you're around, I would guess, are probably like-minded. So how often, other than on online, how often are you face-to-face with somebody that maybe you completely disagree with, and and are you able to be diplomatic in those moments? I feel like I am more face-to-face with those folks since I've been, since I moved to Nashville, since I've been touring a lot. Uh-huh. Our band started out much more bluegrassy mm-hmm. than we are now, and much more in that scene. And we've played some bluegrass festivals mm-hmm. in the southeast, um, where I have definitely encountered these things, you know. And I'd say for the most part, I get the sense that people hide it mm-hmm. from the pink-haired chick singer. <laughs> you know, they're like, "She's not gonna be down with this, so we're just gonna hide this." Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, more and more, and I think with the Trump administration, yeah, I think people are much more outward about it. Right. You know, for sure. Um, so I had an experience, um, just a couple weeks ago, uh-huh. um, at a festival in the UK. It was a country music festival in the UK. So it had like the headliners were all like pop country acts. And then it had some like, you know, Americana stuff. It had like a sleep at the wheel, it had us. Um, and, and it was a really cool festival. It was beautiful. I was hanging backstage uh-huh. and I went to get some tea a builder's tea, as they say, nice and strong tea to try to get something similar caffeination to coffee because the coffee is all trash in the UK. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Um, I don't know if you got any UK listeners, but you know it's true. We do. Costa's trash. We do have a few. Um, Anyway, um, so I was getting a tea, builder's tea, as they say, um, and I went and sat down in the, like, catering tent backstage, and I was sitting alone at this table, and then there was a whole table... Uh, in the middle between me and these other guys that was like um, all these like you know roadies and like you know all dressed in black like kind of younger like millennials and then across that table from them there were these old cats from Nashville um, who were clearly the crew of one of these pop country headliner dudes yeah Um, I won't say who sure Um, but it was just like three of them and they were sitting there and they were like being so loud they were running their mouths like the most obnoxious version of Southern Americans that you could possibly think of. Yeah, Just yeah. like the representing yeah. for America in the UK. You know, so there's like there's like people who are running the festival, you know, go around this catering tent and stuff. And like, oh, also the Sleep at the Wheel guys were like at a table like far at the other end of the catering tent. Like and they're these old Austin hippies. You yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. And they're just chuckling at this whole thing. Um, but. I listen for a while. You know, sometimes you just listen in. And you're like, all right, what is this? What is this shit? And, (coughs) you know, they're going off about, like, they're going off about, like, uh, oh, well, you know, I don't know why people hate Trump. You know, the economy is just doing so good, you know, like, unemployment rates, so good. And just talking about, like, wow, he's really done some good things, you know, and, like, you know, this border thing and just talking about how great the wall is. And then, and then, and then they start talking about how, I can't believe that people say that Trump is racist. Like, what does that even mean? You know, like, um, and I'm like 
sitting back here, like I'm starting to kind of, my blood is like starting to boil, yeah. getting caffeinated. And, uh, <laughs> and this table of like millennial uh, folks who were, I came to find out the crew for this like younger country pop star who's super woke and cool, who I yeah, love, uh -huh. um, named Cam. I'm just going to put that out there. Nice, nice. Um, she's super cool. Um, awesome. And it was, she wasn't there, but it was her whole crew. Yeah. And uh, they were just like seething and they were just like silently listening and like trading looks with me and like, just like pissed. And I was, I just decided to say something. Okay. So yeah. All right. I got up, I sort of approached their table. I got my coffee, my, my tea, I mean, and I'm like trying to get caffeinated and I'm like shaking. And you threw it on and one of them. No, I, no, no, I oh. don't assault people. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I do sympathize with Antifa, but I'm not probably going to be the one throwing <laughs> a punch. But uh, we can talk about that one next. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I'm not a puncher myself, right. but I support your right to punch <laughs> Nazis. Um, uh, <clears throat> these guys were just Nazi sympathizers, okay? Yeah. And, and you know, you I was say? talking about, like, well, I was talking to them about why Trump is, like, actually racist. Like, yeah. the racist things that he's said and done. How so you're giving them specifics. How his daddy was you know, involved with the KKK in New York yeah. and was, you know, like did housing discrimination and right. like how like racism really does run deep for Trump. It's not like he's just this New Yorker. They were trying to make this case, you know, that he's this like cosmopolitan businessman and he can't be racist. And it's like, yeah. no, this runs really deep with his family actually. And like, yeah. and it's, I think it's actually a sincere part of who he is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it's not yeah, just campaign so stuff. We talked for a while though about all kinds of different things. Um, good. And and it was good, and I just felt good that I like actually said something and like challenged their. I can't remember all the things that we talked about. How how did they receive it? You know, they were like, they. I don't think that I got through to them at all. Really, was it just you? I was you trying to be yourself? diplomatic, but I was just standing up to the points that they had made that were just so wrong. You yeah, know? yeah. They had made all these points that were like really Fox News lies. Right, right. And. You know, and so we were, we were just talking about that. And I <laughs> actually said to my dad the other day, he was saying something ridiculous about about Trump. And, and my dad wakes up in the morning. He's in his 70s. He wakes up in the morning and he sits down in front of his TV and he watches Fox News pretty much all day. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, he's legitimately brainwashed like he is. Have you heard about parental controls on the television? <laughs> Do they listen to this podcast? I'm sorry if I'm blowing your cover. You can edit um, this out if you want to. No. But uh, uh, this is a thing that people really are listen. doing, man. Like, yeah. Get on the folks' TV. You know they don't know how to work that shit. I know. And he use would the parental controls against the parentals. I know. He would call in somebody eventually. Yeah, but for a while there, maybe you could get through. Yeah. Maybe. It's well, worth it because I do think that constant brainwashing is just it's so, so bad. toxic. It is. And I, I said, I actually, I stupidly actually use the word brainwashing with him see that's that's the kind of thing like with the diplomacy right yeah like, like there are things that you could say that just turn people off to the conversation yeah he just because of course yeah. he, he's a he's an accomplished person right he used to be very reasonable and so and he was an elected politician and he was a republican but he was like a very compassionate republican who was pretty central was pretty centrist in his in like his Reagan policies just a cuddly Reagan Republican. No, he was God, what, what what wouldn't we give for one of those <laughs> right about now? Even though that guy was fucked. Yeah, that guy was that guy wasn't the best. Uh, I can't think of a good example, unfortunately, of someone that 
that is centrist that's a famous republican for some reason i'm really struggling to think of that but but anyway he he's just come so far because of all of the propaganda that he's watching on fox news and i've tried to explain to him like this isn't a news organization was he into john mccain is that a good example yeah that's a good example he wasn't a john mccain was he into when trump literally dragged a dead john mccain like like, what did he think of that? It's the, like, did the, you like John McCain? The, like, how can you? The, the explanation that he and other people uh, like him would say, pe- the Trump supporter would say is, yeah, I didn't agree with that. And then they just move on. Like, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It's just like, it doesn't matter what the guy does. Yeah, yeah. You can just be like, yeah, he probably shouldn't have said that. Or what? Like when he mocked the, him, the reporter, right? Yeah. It's just like, dad, watch this video real quickly and tell me that this person should be the president of the United States. He's like, yeah, yeah, he, he probably shouldn't have done that. And you, you could have a list of a hundred things, and still, if your if your mind is completely warped to the point where th- there just there is no, I can't present enough evidence, you know. It's like even comparatively, when you're like, "What did Bill Clinton get impeached for?" Yeah, I'm not saying that's right. Like, yeah, yeah, he yeah. absolutely was a numbskull who freaking like abused his power yeah. in a crappy way that we understand now is not really in line with our standard of consent right Right, like even though i think everyone was adults in the situation it was just like a shitty unethical way to right have sex yeah um so like that happened i don't stand by that but i think it was just such a lower bar than everything that trump has done and what he's like you know about to be impeached for yeah hopefully a broad scale impeachment and not just the ukraine thing because like yeah, I really think everything else will just go down the memory hole if we don't. Well, it's it's wild to me that, and then I want to ask you about your process because we. <laughs> oh, it's all good. We can just talk politics. <laughs> um, the because I, like I remember when uh, so he gets elected 2016, mm-hmm. um, 2017 comes around 2017 when your record drops. I'll slowly get get us back there, um, and in what was it July I guess, James Comey is investigating him for potential his campaign's ties to Russia and he fires the man Trump fires the person who is investigating him yeah. and that and if Obama did that can you imagine oh my god heads would explode like I, I, anything if Obama did like one fraction of any one of the single things that Trump has done unbelievable the man wore a tan suit <laughs> do you remember this I do like literally. he didn't have an American flag lapel pen oh no flag pen right put the, his feet like, up on the, the desk fascist symbol that came into vogue after 9-11 oh, as we dear. all remember yeah. as we all remember george bush not our friend george w bush <laughs> not our friend <laughs> yeah as some people seem to be forgetting yeah you know well it's crazy because the com- the juxtaposition of those two you're like man i i, 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 I know what i wouldn't for give for george w yeah. bush but i can go for the occasional war crime war criminal. <laughs> literally uh, well, and so then was obama too though i mean that's another thing that you know, I, I to- think oh, totally. I agree you know, with you. I think that's an important point overall. Is that these are bad people, yeah. and we should not trust them, right? Like that, it sh- you should hold them accountable for their mm-hmm. actions, and to lionize them, or to in some way think that they are going to save us from something, or yeah. that they are someone that we should um, almost. I mean, it borders on worship. It happens with, with Obama too. Yes, um, it, that's not healthy. Yeah, totally. And I think that you know people are always decrying the purity politics of the left, right? Yeah, yeah. That we, like, demand more. But I actually think that the way that we get, that we got into this situation and the way we get out of it is actually through that, is by, like, using our morals and our our actual ethics 
of like the democratic side of things whatever two party politics is fucked but like of the left side of the spectrum like we should use that to our strength and not let it keep being a weakness for us and i think the way that we actually use it as a strength is to hold our own accountable is to hold everybody accountable by the same standards to talk about how obama was really just carry on a lot of the george w bush foreign policy that Mm -hmm. was so toxic accelerated a lot of it too Yes, he did. And mm-hmm. drone warfare. It's like, yep. it's sick that we like aren't talking about that. And yeah. I actually think that that that's the way, right? Like that's the way, like when you do a human to human call in mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm fucked up too. Yeah. You know, I've made mistakes. Yeah. Like you take some ownership of your own shit yep. and you're like, and that's why I know that you can do better. That's why right. I know that we can all do better and make a better world together. Yep. And I don't think that just falling in line like the Republicans is the right fucking answer. Nope. I don't think that I having agree. Biden as our candidate is the right answer. Yeah. But people are so afraid. They are. And they're like, why can't we just be like the Republicans for once and yeah. fall in line yeah. and, you know, like stand by our own and quit playing purity politics. And I think that we just have to stop seeing purity politics as our Achilles heel and yeah. start seeing it as our strength. Like, isn't that the thing about like, everything in this world about like like this is a thing that i've lately been trying to like figure out within myself yeah um but seeing you know that your greatest your greatest strength is often like tied to your greatest weakness your greatest like your achilles heel you know like the thing that makes you like special like also comes from the thing that you like hate the most about yourself like it's like the thing that you're like trying to reject is like the thing that like in another light and another way you could like turn into a strength if you right. learn how to like wield that power correctly yeah you know like that's the thing that's like in so many like superhero you know like sure. comic yeah um, yeah kind of characters right uh-huh. is like the superpower that at first seems like a curse right you know and that like is if you don't know how to wield it correctly it uh, can hurt people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that's like me with my like passion and my like, yeah. you know, fervor, like right. the way that I could like, you know, ream people out about things. Like if I can like turn that into a superpower, if I can learn how to do that gracefully and more focused and in a way that has compassion, yeah, that can actually be like my greatest superpower instead of just being like, I hate this about myself. I'm going to repress it. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, sp- and speaking of superpowers, your, your voice and your writing. So w- do you think about that when you're, writing at all i mean i don't i don't think i mean other love songs has millionaire which is a cover right um on it and then and then other than that though and that's pretty political but um definitely we actually recorded that before trump got elected too that's pretty wild hoping that it would not be still relevant that's pretty wild yeah uh and sadly it was yeah but when you when you're writing now do you think about maybe maybe something overtly political, maybe overt like protest songs. Um, do you write any of that kind of in, in that way or think about your music in terms of being uh, the superpower that you have, one of the superpowers that you have that you could maybe make an influence with? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And in the past few years, like we, we just recorded a, a whole new record that will be coming out next year. Oh, awesome. In 2020. Um, I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So we have a whole new record in the can. It's all written by me. Um, one song's a co-write between me and our mandolin player, Adam Roscowitz. Uh-huh. Um, and um, I don't, and you know, a lot of people like don't like the term protest song. Sure. I've always loved that term. I love like, it. Like I've always been all about the protest song. Yeah. Um, 
I just wrote a piece actually for the bluegrass situation that was like they asked me to pick my top six protest songs. Oh, cool! And so I did. I was so hard to pick. That'd but be I, like, fun though. I, I kind of went with more of a personal approach of uh-huh. like songs that I deeply remember affecting me and making me want to write. Yeah. In that style. And so there's like Ani DeFranco, there's Rage Against the Machine, oh, which dope. was completely like what politicized me as like a junior high schooler. Wow. Um, listening to Rage Against the Machine, going to a concert, getting a bunch of pamphlets. Wow. And literally like getting like, you know, introduced to progressive. So you're in junior high protests. and you got to go see Rage. Yeah. They're like on my I wish I could have seen them oh you know, dude. list. Yeah, you know? I know. I'm so glad that I did. That's, That's amazing. amazing. And and then so the event itself was like super political in the way that you would kind of hope. Yeah. I mean, at least outside. So this is in Oakland at the Oakland Coliseum, which wow. is now the Oracle Arena. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, outside there were just all these people pamphleting, you know, they're like, yes, young kids that are like, you know, impressionable, like getting politicized. <laughs> yeah, impressionable. <laughs> like it's just like Fox News would say it was you yeah, know yeah, like yeah. and i'm not mad about it yeah um, yeah yeah and it was great i got all these like pamphlets for like you know free mumia and free leonard peltier like wow and, like you know and it was also you know starting uh i guess yeah it was just it was it was sort of just before the whole like 9-11 thing happened mm-hmm. and then like yeah like so into high school like i was really active and like going to protests and stuff and like so, like, 9-11 happened when I was in high school, and then the ramp up to the Iraq War. And that yeah. was, like, my senior year of high school when, okay. like, when the Iraq War started. Yeah. And um, and so I was, like, you know, super active in, like, staging, like, walkouts wow. at our school and, like, you know, going to protests, um, you know. Wow. All the, like, war without end, not in our name stuff. And yeah. Like, uh-huh. Um, yeah, so thanks, Rage Against the Machine. So it, you so can trace it back to, to Rage, really. I totally can, especially, yeah. like, being, like, the first protest I ever went to is because of, like, you know, stuff that I learned about from going to that, learning about stuff in the Bay Area that was, like, yeah, you know, that people were organizing around. Right. Um, I can totally relate to that because with Rage specifically yeah. because, like, I did not grow up in San Francisco, right? Mm-hmm. I, I grew up in rural Florida. Mm-hmm. and so, I mean, suburban Florida, really, but a small, small-ish town that's very conservative and the son of a conservative politician. And so Ooh. I grew up in this totally different world, right? Your dad's a politician? Yeah, he's a former, he's a two-term county commissioner. Wow. So, I mean, he's retired now, but like... That's intense, man. Yeah, he's a two-term um, Republican. I was one of them never-Trumpers. <laughs> I know. Oh, Damn, God, man. I know. Yeah, no, he says he's the best president of, in his lifetime. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. But, um, so my journey has been, you know, just kind of a totally different path. And when I first heard Rage, there was something that resonated with me about the music, right? And the anger, the angst. Cause when you get to when you're in junior yeah. high and oh, you get so <laughs> and you get raged. Oh like, yeah. They, yes, they're making the yeah. sounds that I make in my head. Yeah. <laughs> and they're getting paid for it. Yeah. But the but the things they were saying were not no one around me was saying those things. And yeah. so I didn't understand. I still yeah. listened to it because I could relate to the energy of it. But yeah. nothing that they were saying made any sense to me at that time. Like even like some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. Oh my God. Like that's like the line that's the song that I chose. Yeah, yeah. Because it literally like it's all so these years later, Black Lives Matter, you know, like still saying still. the same thing and people still don't believe. Right. You know? People still don't believe when, like, the Dallas police, like, say that that witness... Right. Yeah. Yeah. ...got shot and just, you know, a botched drug deal, you know, like, yeah. like we believe that. Yeah, right. Like, it's been going on forever. Like... Yeah. It really, it really is in, like, you... 
can look at white supremacist message boards and like people who study this um, yeah. and how for decades they've been talking about infiltrating law enforcement, military, yeah. you know, yeah. trying to like border patrol, um, putting themselves into power levels as they call it, you know, yeah. like, and hiding themselves in these organizations so that they can, you know, do what they want. They can enact state racist terrorism. Right. So, which by the way, like is arguably like all that, you know, state policing has ever been right in the South. For sure. They, the police were started as slave catchers in the South right. generally. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, old habits die hard, I guess. For sure. Yeah. Know, like, yeah. So, so that, like, I think that still resonates today. Like, I think that song killing in the name is just yeah. like still resonates today. And yeah. it's like heartbreaking. Um, but I just really appreciate them. I listen to that track again and it's like the track is so fresh still. Yeah. Just cause uh -huh. it's just like riff rock. Like people are still doing that. It just doesn't feel dated at all. Uh, uh, everything about it is just like timeless and like, right. Like the best protest songs are hopefully timeless. Right. So like I've been trying to write protest songs. Okay. These last couple of years. Sorry. Okay. You're back on track. I know that's perfect. Year. I'm so um, glad I was about to get you there, but you did it yourself. So this, I've always I'm been writing protest up. songs like my whole life. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but in the last few years, I've really been like just trying to hone that, you know, and like, especially with the Trump administration, like I kind of veered away from it for a while. And I was like, man, nobody wants to hear just protest songs, you know, like maybe I need to be like, working on my own emotional vulnerability and like mm. write about like, you know, feelings and things. Cause that's like not my strong suit. Right. And I'm like mm. trying to like do that, but like maybe I was repressing my superpower a that's little interesting, bit. Right? Like yeah. I was like trying to like run away from it. And like when Trump got elected, I just like felt this renewed energy to like be like, no, this is like what, this is why I'm attracted to this kind of thing. Like I have a job to do here as a songwriter. Like I have a duty to like try to write songs that people can use, yeah. you know? Um, and so I've just been doing that, just trying to be useful um, and also trying to have that grace in the songwriting where you're mm. not just being completely preachy, mm -hmm. where you're like giving people a spoonful of sugar, I guess, with it, you know, like mm. to get that medicine and, you know. How like what does that look like in, in the process? Um, some of it is like writing songs that can kind of have it both ways that can be like sort of double entendres right and um where it can be you know a relational you know human to human kind of song as well as like a struggle that is more systemic you know um there's a song that's gonna be on the new record called broken record um that's like the chorus of it goes if i sound like a broken record you ain't heard me yet and it's like, you know, I already heard from like one person who's like, man, the first time I listened to that, it was like a relationship song. The second time I listened to it, it was like obviously about like protest and about like how like we've been trying to like, you know, we've been protesting about all these things, equal rights, you know, yeah. like forever, you uh -huh. know, women's rights, the like the wage gap, you know, yeah, yeah. forever. And it like, it's like nobody's listening, you know, and right. it's like, and you know, women are like pissed off you know yeah. had like the me too thing and i think people are done being quiet about this stuff you know right. you're not gonna like put that back in the the box yeah um and i really like that i like how it's like you can you can have like messages that are more universal and hopefully not too toothless like that's mm -hmm. the balance that you have to have you know mm -hmm. so some of the songs are super scathing kind of mm. more classic protest songs there's one called american dream that that is just about 
it you know like the refrain goes you're free to believe in the american dream because when you think about freedom in this country it's like you know yes we do have a lot of freedoms and sure. liberties that don't exist elsewhere yep it doesn't mean that we're like a perfect union right it doesn't mean that we shouldn't work toward being a more perfect union you yeah, know uh-huh. right sure like um and i think a lot of people um use the american dream as this cudgel you know especially people who grew up here i think mm-hmm. it is different for immigrants mm-hmm. the idea of the american dream um but for people who grow up here it's like it's like they just tell you that you can have this american dream well i graduated from state school state college like right when the recession hit yeah you know and like i'm a millennial you know like i don't think i'm ever gonna buy a house Mm. you know i tour for a living you know like i don't like the american dream that existed for my parents just doesn't exist for me yeah you know Mm. like the jobs aren't there you know the just everything about it man student debt like yeah the it was just completely different from for another generation yeah and yet people are like quiet down like the american dream can be yours if you just quiet down and work hard enough mm-hmm. and i think that that's like a really insidious myth yeah that keeps people quiet you yeah. know just like a lot of things you know like the upper classes have always created these myths yeah myths systems of religion yeah all of these things to sort of like quiet down the peasants right and keep them working yeah. for nothing pretty yeah. much um yeah that's how i feel about that um so the american dream i really don't i don't know what people mean when they say that these days i think they're talking about something from 50 to 70 years ago right right um when so is is most of the uh the new record in that same vein or like thematically is it mostly political i wouldn't say so much political as like just songs of like meaning Mm. and like truth yeah but that's what you've been doing (laughs) yeah i know and it's like not that different and i'm like hesitant to call it a record of protest songs okay yeah but I can say that like how I've been thinking about it is trying to like rethink how we can write the protest song. Right. And whether it can just be like a really positive affirmation song. Like there's this, this song that I wrote that you may have actually heard a year and a half ago. I think we, we've been playing it for a little bit now because Uh I wrote it during the kind of me too movement. Uh But, um, the chorus is just, I hear you. I believe you. I see you. Oh wow. Like, Uh and, I wrote that to be a reminder to myself to respond in the correct way, mm-hmm. like to people who are like hurting and telling you about their experience in the world that might be different from yours. And it might be hard to like understand. Um, yeah. But to, it's like, it means so much to just like believe people to take them at face value and be like, that's your experience. I believe you, you know? Yeah. Um, if we could all do that more, it would be so helpful because that like engages your empathy, which right. is the thing that like connects us, you know? Yeah. Um, and so many people just like disbelieve people who have survived trauma uh-huh. and like sexual assault and all kinds of things, you know? Right. Um, and that's like the worst thing you could do is disbelieve somebody when they've been through something like that, you know, they're just not going to talk to you anymore. You know, if you want to be a good friend and I learned this by like 
fucking up and not being the best friend sometimes in the past, you know? Sure. Just out of, like, the stupid things you say when people tell you something that's hard, you know? You always say the wrong thing, you know? And it's like, (laughs) you can read a lot of internet (laughs) articles about, like, how to say the right thing to be actually, like, a good friend and comforting and helpful and, like... Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to remind myself about, like, how to do that and how to be there for people in, like, more of a real way, you know? And not have to try to fix things, which is, like, we all do that, you know? So... Yeah, it's not, the chorus of that song is not, I'll fix you. Yeah, the, the chorus of the song isn't like, uh, everything's cool, I'm going to fix it, like, you know, positive vibes only. Right. That's not the chorus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The chorus is just literally like the three things that you can say that are like the most important and like try to like embody is like hearing people, listening more, you know, believing them, taking right. their experience at face value and then just like seeing them and being seen, you know, and just like not like letting each other be like this caricature, you know, but like actually taking people at face value. Right. Um, so that was an example of a song that was just sort of affirmations. And I think that that can be a protest song, you know, if people need that, if they need to hear that in that moment. And it actually did like, people were immediately like coming up after shows and being like that song meant so much. And like, awesome. and so we've just been playing it a bunch and it's on the new record. Um, so there's all kinds of protest songs. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. I'm excited. Do you have a release date for the record? Not yet. Okay. Hopefully the early half of 2020. Okay. Um, I want to get out as soon as possible. Yeah. That's going to be difficult. It's election year. Yeah. It's yeah. like, who knows what the climate's going to be. Like, maybe he'll be impeached by right, the... Right, yeah. You know, That's got to be tough that when you have that, though. Like, you have this work, right? And it's yeah. ready to go. Like, you probably just want it out there. I, I do, think. but we have to, like, give it a fighting chance. Sure, sure. So we have to, like try to find a record label who wants to put it out yeah yeah um we're working on that okay trying to just get our decks in a row right figure out what the release strategy is um but yeah i'm obviously itching to get it yeah out there. yeah well i'm itching to hear it that's 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 awesome are you gonna play that song you guys have a set a little bit later today probably will play i see okay. you i think um cool yeah awesome and probably another new one called make it now okay that is off the new record um that is like the tagline of it is like, if there's a heaven, can we make it now? Oh, wow. Like, which is kind of a double entendre. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's like, that's like been my philosophy for a long time. Like, I don't know if there's a heaven. Like, right. I don't necessarily believe in that. I kind of think there's not. I think it's, I think it's whatever, like the neurons that fire in your last moments, like want it to be. Yeah, uh, you know uh, what I mean? Uh-huh. Like that idea that, you know, there's like, there's, these like few seconds of brain activity electrical activity after you're like actually deceased you know pronounced dead um and it activates like your pineal gland which is like the part of your brain that makes natural dmt i don't know are you are you are you following me here i am totally following (laughs) you some listeners will be following me here no i'm so there's like there's this whole idea you know within like a trip like time can expand and contract especially dmt um and so there's a lot of people who think that like that whatever your construction of, you know, heaven or the afterlife or whatever that meeting your maker thing is, you yeah. know, if you have that idea that whatever that electrical activity and DMT flooding your brain, uh, the trip that you go on is, you know, dictated by what you believe, what you, you know, that's what really you prepared for. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I, th- I find that pretty hopeful. You know, I like the thought of that. Um, 
I don't know. It's I'm so glad you went there because it's like I I have I talk about this on the show a lot that I have a, f- a fear of my mortality and it manifests itself in a phobia of doctors and needles. And this morning, that's funny. I I, w- I hate doctors and needles too, but I I'm not that afraid of dying. Really? Uh-uh. That's where it all comes from for me. But this morning, it's been a tough day. Like this morning, um, there's a a dear sweet woman who can't who's our, my friend who camps. Uh, next to me every year at Swanee. I come, I come both Roots Festivals every year. My father usually comes, but he's had some mobility issues recently, and so it's tough for him to be out here. And this 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 woman that camps with us has become our friend because we camp together. You know, you know, how Swanee is. It's that family kind of atmosphere. She fell and broke her shoulder this morning, so I spent the morning in the emergency room with her. And broke so her shoulder. She broke uh. her shoulder. Yeah. That's awful. So we had to go to the emergency room and then we went to the, you know, the the pharmacy. And, and does like that trigger you too, just being around Big it? time. Oh, man. Big time. That sucks. But I'm... It's already hard to take care of your health and yep, shit. Yep. It's huge. But but thankfully, I'm, I'm really fortunate in that I make an okay living and I have good health insurance. And so I can... I am in therapy for my for my phobia you know so like this conversation i might have had to have like canceled this two years ago you know just to even talk about it just to even get here like even to even have made it to talk to you after what happened this morning would have been difficult two years ago then when you just brought up the thing about death i was totally with you and Mm -hmm. interested in it and there were moments of anxiety just then there were moments but i was good i'm all right that just goes to show you too that like you never know what people are dealing with that you're talking to like yeah and that's something too that like I could do well to like remember right when I'm like on a high horse about something <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. if I'm talking about like even something just like the afterlife like I'm always down to talk about everything you know yeah, and, yeah. like I get really excited about talking about like philosophical stuff like that but yeah that that would be like triggering for you is like something I I was like totally ignorant to that you yeah, know yeah. And, like but I think also uh, and that's but that's fine for a lot of reasons because I think also, the fact that it's triggering for me is something that I ha- that I am actively working on, and I should be actively working mm-hmm. on. Because you can't go through your life, you shouldn't go through your life. I don't think terrified of your own mortality because it's inevitable. And yeah. so, facing it is something that I'm really serious about, and that I work really hard on. So, you don't know that, and like, yeah. you didn't know I was dealing with that and working through and that. And also, it's not my experience too. So, right. like, we all like think everybody's like us yeah that we're talking to you know yes which is a good thing in general for like society cohesion yeah be like you're like me i'm like you right that's kind of good for empathy except when that breaks down and people are really different right and and then you have to like i have to believe you that's your experience you know right even though i can't relate to it yes and that's so true of this particular thing a lot um where people are like what why are you you're gonna die why are you scared of dying i'm like that's the dumbest argument i've ever heard like Right, you can't possibly relate to like <laughs> how I feel about it, which is like, yeah, I'm scared of like pain. I okay. don't want to die a painful death. Oh, it's not. That I don't have to keep a No, no, this. it's fine. But, like, Seriously. But but like when I think about like quick death or anything like that, or like you know, I don't, I don't know. I just don't. See, it's not the the it idea. Doesn't bug me. The pain doesn't bother me. I mean, I don't want to obviously go through whatever pain could end my life right but i don't think about that at all hmm. and with the needle it's not pain like i have a decently high so what is it is pain it the threshold empty for blackness yeah. at the other side 100 percent. it's the uh, it's the not knowing my, Dude. Ther- my therapist says it's a con- it's a control issue for me <laughs> it's that i don't have any control over it and that <laughs> excuse me as a result um that i my anxiety creates 
something like this, the nothingness, right? Yeah. Like it does seem like, so when you were talking about reincarnation earlier, yeah. I read a book. Oh, I wish I could think of the name of it. I read it about two years ago and it totally shifted my thinking about this. Um, yeah, you need philosophy, man. That's what you need. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a minor in philosophy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You're like, already tried that. Yeah, made study, it worse. Study philosophy in college. Yeah, I started reading, started reading okay. Kant and got all fucked up. Yeah, um, Nietzsche didn't help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't. I didn't go down that road. <laughs> Hardly at all because I wasn't ready for that. Well, that but, whole DMT thing is, like, really interesting, actually, in the way that people talk about afterlife theories with DMT. Yeah. I find it so fascinating. There's yeah. this book the spirit molecule dmt the spirit molecule okay. by uh i forget what his name is richard something i think um is that offensive the spirit molecule <laughs> spirit molecule <laughs> no no okay i think he's fairly respectful too and talking about like you know it's like the active ingredient in ayahuasca yeah yeah uh-huh. um ayahuasca does interest me there are people that believe that like that tripping on dmt actually prepares you yeah for the afterlife situation mm-hmm and that you like can can sort of train mm-hmm. to like be able to be present when that happens right like at death yeah um i don't know you know how i feel about that there's people who tie it into like t- the tibetan book of the dead mm-hmm. um and ideas there and um yeah and then, i don't know there's other people too who think that like that taking dmt is visiting that realm before you're supposed to and it's disrespectful Oh, that's interesting. And that's like another sort of theory. That's not, by the way, this is not like in the book. This is just from like interviews I've listened to and like yeah. people, you know, friends. And um, I've not done it, but for some reason I've always been obsessed. Like when I was in junior high, I had like this like book about LSD. I was just always obsessed with like, yeah, you know, psychoactive uh, stuff. And like I definitely like did some stuff later, you know, in college. But like, but I've just always been obsessed with like, uh, you know, altered states of consciousness. And like when I was a kid, I was like reading about like astral projection and meditation and like hippie stuff, you know, yeah. and like um, and like dream, like guided dream meditation and stuff. I was like this weird kid that was like That's really obsessed I was with stuff I was like listening that. I heard something about that recently, the guided dream meditation. Have you th- does that stuff, uh, whether it whether it was drugs or it was meditation or whatever, has has any of that informed your creative process at all? Has it improved your creative process or impacted it in any way? That's hard to say, you know. Um, I don't think it has. And, in fact, I kind of, like, I don't know. I'll take mushrooms every couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like, a couple of years, like, every, like, freaking 10 years at this point, probably. Oh, I don't know, really? Maybe five. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, like. So, not often. But when I need to, like, get the message or something or, like, sort of reconnect to the lack of ego thing, you know. like Yeah. Um, it's like good for me in that way it's like therapeutic um but i don't think like every time i've like taken mushrooms or even honestly like marijuana i can't i can't do it i can't write yeah i can't be creative like in a way i can be at flow yeah like sense like i can jam oh okay i have a lot of fun like jamming sure sure um but like actually like writing a song or something i have to have like both sides of my brain yeah there like i like to think about like um creativity with songwriting as like there's like two sides there's like the inspiration and the perspiration side Uh. or like there's like the like you know flow stream of consciousness creativity side and then the craft side right and it's like you're like right brain and left brain you know and that you sort of want to like be in the inspirational space but then at some point you have to switch over to the editor the crafty side yeah you know that's like actually controlling and like making it into something cohesive that 
that people can understand, right? Right. Like we've all heard music and stuff that is like too much of one or the other. Yeah. You know, uh-huh, for sure. It's too controlled. Yeah. You know, and too calculated. Yeah. And then we've heard stuff too that's like too stream of consciousness. Yeah. Too much flow, bro. Yeah, like yeah. let's get you back to <laughs> earth, right? Yeah, like, yeah. um. So I think you need a balance of those two things, and I think that like being on drugs of any kind puts me too much in the right brain uh, sort of creative flowy side of things yeah um, and i can't like use my editor side i think yeah that's interesting i think that's true for a lot of people i know i can't do hardly anything i i don't i, I can't like i just can't do marijuana like it just doesn't agree with me i'm so I'm, sorry i'm just i know i know i'm, <laughs> I'm envious of you, uh, you folks well, no, who can. i can't drink drink like alcohol oh, really? does not react well with me at all like okay. it never has I don't think I metabolize it right or yeah, something. Yeah. Like it just doesn't makes me sleepy. Yeah. Uh kind of like, yeah, it just doesn't it's not good. And I don't really need a lack of inhibition either because I'm right. <laughs> already like extra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's just not good for me. And it probably also comes from like, oh, you know, family members who like it too much, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And sort of getting turned off to that as a kid too. Um, oh, that's interesting. I'm sure that's part of it too. But um but it's just never been my best friend. And That's some people, it's the best thing. But yeah. for me, honestly, like, and I hardly ever smoke weed because I'm a singer and I'm on tour constantly. And yeah. I just can't mess with my health on tour at yeah, all. Uh-huh. Um, but I would say the marijuana would be, like, my choice between those two for sure. So like, it definitely jives with me better. It makes me a happier, nicer right. person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it makes me chill out. So when you're touring, are you pretty much sober? Yeah. Yeah. Stone cold. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm not messing around. It's like, I'm yeah, I don't see how it's sustainable otherwise. Yeah. You know, I'm not like, I'm not like a workout junkie or anything, sure. you know, like too. So I'm not like, I'm not doing things on the road that are going to like mitigate bad things that I do on the road necessarily. Yeah. So I just try to go with harm reduction <laughs> and like being able to sleep, being able yeah. to sing, sure. being able to do my job. It makes me really unhappy if I can't perform like I want to. Sure. So that's what it's all about. Right. So. I try to like hold a sacred space for that and just not, um, I don't, I don't party on the road, right. which makes me kind of like not fun. You know, <laughs> I'm not like the festival musician who's yeah. like gonna at the campfire, be at the campfire all night. Like circle. that's just not me. Yeah, yeah. And I like, it's not sustainable for me. And I know other people who can do it yeah. and they're just like super hearty, you know, hearty partiers yeah. who can do that. And that's just never been me. I'd be sick for weeks. I can't stay. I never go. I've done it once or twice, gone to the circles and just hung out and, yeah. you know, and whatever. Once or twice, maybe I've been coming here for years mm-hmm. and years and years. Cause I'm with, I'm with you. Like I gotta, I need my sleep. I need to make sure I'm taking care of myself. I will have a handful of drinks after I finish all of my work today. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you probably like drinking. It's just, never I do been like drinking. Like, yeah. It's never been my and best I know friend. It. You know what I mean? Like I've, and I wasn't always my best friend and I got through, I did some really stupid shit and I, you know, got through all of that to a place where now I know it right now. I, and, and with marijuana, I never got to that place. Like mm-hmm. I just immediately have an existential crisis and a panic attack. I had a lot of practice. <laughs> really? uh, I went to school in Humboldt County, uh-huh, in California, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the heyday. Nobody, ma- yeah. where I was from, the kids who smoked, who smoked pot were like, it wasn't, nobody did in my high school and the people who did were like we didn't take them seriously they were like mm-hmm. the burnouts that we didn't take seriously right. and so if you wanted to like you know i wanted a girlfriend and i wanted to play sports oh my god and if i wanted those things <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't smoke weed in my high school you could probably do beer bongs though or something oh yeah like, we drank we drank too much yeah, yeah like yeah. But how does that not make you a loser <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, 
I don't, anyway, I don't our know. culture is so messed up. It, yeah, there's like, we could that'd be a whole nother podcast, but you've given me more time than I could possibly ask for, and I'm so grateful. This was so much fun. Oh, it's all good, dude. Is Thank there you. is there anything else that we actually have to talk about? Not like, really, unless you want to talk about anything in particular. I usually end with the one thing is I usually end with five, ten more. All right, cool. Um, I'm supposed to catch up with Verlin Thompson, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. We did not plan where or when, and I don't have his phone number, so. Okay. Um, well, we can wrap it up for all sure. Right, well, let me just. Do I really this. appreciate you. This is a really good talk. Thank you. Likewise, this was awesome. Um, the way we. Use I don't go to therapy myself, so this was really helpful. Thank <laughs> you. I highly recommend it. <laughs> um, it seriously, that that's one of the best decisions I ever made was was finally going. And I think I, I never had like a stigma in my head about it. Um, my parents both encouraged me to go, but um, I had a two years ago, right before Swanee, actually, I had a health issue. And um, I had to have surgery and it was just like test after test after test and surgery and the anxiety was just through the roof. And I was in an abusive work relationship like that. My job was I didn't realize that then Mm -hmm. I just thought of it as like not ideal. Now I know that they were it's an abusive work environment I was working in. And uh, so then I just started going to therapy and it's just amazing how much better I feel. But we always end on um, what (laughs) (laughs) we always end on what you're consuming at the moment uh, art wise like. Is there uh, a band you're fired up about or, like, a show you're fired up about or a book? You've mentioned a few books already, but is there anything that you're, like, super fired up about at the moment that's inspiring you? I'm so you? bad at being put on the spot about these things. <laughs> what have I been obsessed with lately? And it's not a, you know, if you don't have anything. I mean, this is going to sound so basic, but, uh, I mean, like, because everyone is obsessed with Lizzo. Oh, but yeah, but so what? I'm... I'm pretty well obsessed with Lizzo. Yeah. I think that, like, the way that she's just infectiously um, created this, like, Trojan horse of body positivity uh-huh. blended into, like, pop music. Yeah, yeah. I just love that. Yeah. I love that she has, like, such a message. Yeah. And she's always talking about it. And she's always just, like, showing up and representing it by being herself. Like, mm. this mm. is... You know, she talks a lot about therapy and mental health as well. And that's so, so great. Like, I think it really inspires people to get the help they need and not feel stigmatized. Right. um, And she's such a great example of that thing of, like, using something that, you know, you've been made fun of for your whole life. That you've tried to, like, kill within yourself, like, being fat. Yeah. You know? I'm, like, a bigger girl, like, who has never been somebody who like wants to like starve myself and stuff, but I have felt very shitty about my body, you uh-huh. know? And she's just so inspiring with that because she talks about how like, you know, that's just the way that she's made it. She really had to like do radical self love and like really like, that's so much harder than it sounds, you know, like yeah. to actually like program yourself to reprogram yourself to think positively about your body. However it looks, you know, like however you're built, and accept yourself like truly and completely and she talks about it all the time and i think just think it's so positive and by doing that she even talks about this like she turned like something that would be considered her weakness mm-hmm. you know that she probably considered her weakness at one point which right. was like being a big girl you know and turned it into like the most fabulous positive superpower yeah where it is her superpower and she shows up as herself fully and completely as this big girl right and she's like, are we still recording? I hope so. That'd be hilarious if we didn't record the whole thing, but it still would have been worthwhile. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's been doing this thing recently. I think because I've been going longer, mm-hmm. I think it just started a new track. Oh, right. Is what it did. Um, like, does it end event like 30 minutes or Yeah, an I think hour? it goes to like an hour and then it starts a new track. Um, so it just mm-hmm. likes to give me a little anxiety attack. Yeah, See, yeah. again, it's therapy. Okay. Yeah, you're I'm freaking good. out. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, Lizzo is Lizzo. my recommendation. She's just like, you're going to love it. You're going to like feel better about your body and yeah. yourself. And like, you're going to like... If you want, you can consider the idea of like radical self-love and what right. that actually means. And she talks about it really eloquently all the time. She's always talking about it. And I think I'm starting to get what she means. That's you know? awesome. About like really creating your own superpower yeah. by by loving yourself completely and not repressing the parts of you that you thought were like the worst. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a perfect place to end it. Melody, thank you so much. Yeah. This thanks. was such a pleasure. Yeah. I've been writing you Try to make it all alright But every time we fight It feels like a goodbye And it feels Like if everything ceased to exist We'd be left with the memory of this And I'm not gonna let it go y'all thank you so much for your time and energy melody thank all of you for listening melody and i covered a ton of ground as you heard and i'm so grateful for her time and art the song you're hearing in this episode is i don't want to die angry from front country's album other love songs Uh, i feel like it showcases melody's vocal talents and uh, songwriting as well just a powerful powerful song and and um their records are full of of songs like that. If you're not familiar, head over to frontcountryband.com or look them up wherever you consume music. Um, don't miss them when they come to your town, y'all. Uh, I'm telling you, I mentioned that in the intro, and I'll say it again and again and again. They're so good live. You can find all things Marinade at marinadepodcast.com. Follow us on social media for updates. We are especially active on Twitter and Instagram. Um, If you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community. You can get access to Patreon-exclusive content like our patron-only podcast, Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that have shaped my creative life. That's at patreon.com slash marinadepodcast. Um, If you aren't ready or able to do that, just tell a friend about the show. Um, Give us a rating on your podcast app. Every time you hit like on a social media post or share one of ours, especially if it's um, a link to an episode, it makes a big difference, y'all, and we greatly appreciate it. All right, y'all, it's time for what I'm getting down on, the segment where I share the art that I'm consuming at the moment. Um, I am so crazy, so fired up about Kelsey Walden's record, White Noise, White Lines. This is the the finest in country music, y'all. It is, um, it's so good, and I'm stoked that Kelsey will be here in Orlando on my birthday, opening for John Prine, no less. Um, just that record, uh, if you're listening to the show, you probably have listened to it, but if you haven't, or if it's been a while, go back and check it out. Um, I have also been reading Dostoevsky's uh, Crime and Punishment, which is a book that I avoided for a long time. Um, I'm not really sure why. I guess like I felt like it was daunting. 
Um, but I wish I'd read it earlier. Maybe it just found me at the right time. It's been sitting on my shelf for a long time. A friend gave it to me um, years ago. It's just been sitting on a shelf collecting dust. Uh, I don't know what it says about me, but this one's a page turner to me. It, it deals pretty heavily with grief and guilt in a way that few works I've read are able to accomplish. Um, and I love it. Uh, I've also been kind of like rereading Watchmen uh, because I've been watching the series and listening to the official podcast. And it was kind of on the fence about the HBO series Watchmen uh, because while it's definitely true to the source material, it's certainly very different. Um, and at first I kind of felt like uh, I do with 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 works, uh, I don't want to use the word derivative, but, but works that are based on something else. Um, oftentimes I feel like, well, why didn't you just call it something different? You know, um, but now I get it. So I've been listening to the official podcast, which is um, with the showrunner, but it's hosted by Craig Mazin, who's the guy who did Chernobyl, um, which I raved and raved about uh, a few episodes ago. I've long been a fan of Watchmen. And so it took rereading pieces of the novel and then listening to the companion podcast to really get into the show. And I'm no longer on the fence. I recommend uh, watching the show. If you haven't read the book, definitely read the book first. Um, I recommend listening to the companion podcast while you, um, while you watch the show. Um, and, uh, it, it's just really been, it's got me fired up. The most recent episode, uh, when this comes out, I believe episode five, I just watched last night, uh, is just outstanding y'all. Just, just really, really well done. I appreciate y'all so much. This was an amazing conversation. Uh, I'm going to get out of here now cause this is one of the longer ones and thanks for sticking around. Um, we have so much content, y'all. Uh, I, ha- I ran into a technical problem that held me back for a little while, but we've got another bonus episode, two full-length episodes, um, an interview scheduled this coming Saturday, and then an interview uh, that we're trying to nail down the, the exact time of next weekend. So really great creatives coming up, really great conversations. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all. <laughs>